Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's CW. Thanks for checking out the Midtown Business Radio show. This week, we continued our monthly series with Laura Hodson of Now Account stopping by the studio. She brought with her Kit Walker, who is CEO and founder of a company called EBS4U. This company has been certified as an MBE and veteran-owned small business. In fact, Kit is a combat wounded veteran who started this company a few years ago as a professional services business that provides janitorial services heavily in the government contracting sector. So he's going to share some information about how to go about getting your business set up to be a veteran-owned small business, the opportunities that exist for veterans in the small business community, as well as some tips on how to do business with the federal government. Laura also brought along with her Melinda Coker of Small Business Access Partners. This not-for-profit organization based in Gainesville, Georgia, works with small business owners, helping them to identify the appropriate small business loan type that would help them get access to capital for whatever their particular business needs may be, whether it's new equipment, new space for their business, additional employees to help them grow. They help them get the best terms and rates possible for their particular business needs. Here's Kit sharing his experience as a veteran-owned small business. For us, we've grown from, in one year, we've grown from, I would say, about $20,000 in revenue to over $600,000, and now we're over a million dollars in revenue. We have a few contracts with the VA, and we believe in quality and continuous improvement in our company. That That's the approach that we take. And because we're a small company, most small companies don't think along the lines of what the major corporation would employ in terms of their strategy. What I did was I looked at how I was able to run my portfolio with, on the large corporate side, and then I scaled it down and kind of tailored it to my small business. A lot of small business only think about the thing that they know how to do best and not think about what they're doing as a business per se. It's just um, a way of making money, bringing in revenue. Well, you have another side to the revenue. That's the expense side. (laughs) Right. And so I try to manage and try to bring more of a corporate mindset to a small company. And that has been able to create the type of environment that has allowed me to grow to where we are right now. And because of our expectation in the service, in the quality of service that we deliver, we now get, like for instance, the, the contract we have in Alabama with the VA, we started off with X dollar amount and then they started adding on more to it. And so we now are on tap to actually bring on another hospital in Alabama. They just finished completing a new build, outpatient facility for the VA. We just bid on that one, and that one is close to a million dollars. And here's Melinda Coker explaining what they do at Small Business Access Partners. We always use the acronym CDC, but we're not the Centers for Disease Control. We're actually a certified development company. So that is basically an approval by the Small Business Administration to deliver the program and underwrite borrowers. And long term, we actually service the loans that SBA direct lend. So you're a way for SBA to reach out into the community easier because you're the local contact with the businesses. Mm -hmm. So do you operate out of a bank then? Or Um, we actually are separate from a bank, but we participate. So our program, the 504, if you're buying a building, the participation is 50% to a lender, 40% to SBA through a direct loan and 10% down. And the beautiful thing for a bank is we take a subordinate lien, giving them a 50% loan to value for their They'd position. rather lend with you than right. do it themselves. Yeah, so if there was a default, 
they could liquidate that building for 50 cents on the dollar or less during the term of that loan because the SBA takes a second position. So that's kind of a, a good thing. Plus our rates, long-term 20-year fixed rate right now is 4.9%. So it's a pretty awesome deal. Mm -hmm. And you could actually, for manufacturers who have 25 year of equipment that has a useful life of 25 years or more, we could put that into a 20-year fixed rate loan. So we have done that hmm. on many occasions for some of our manufacturers because it makes sense to thin that out. Stick around. I got the full interview with Laura Hodson, Kit Walker, and Melinda Coker coming up next. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's C.W. Hall. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. Welcome to the Midtown Business Radio Show. We've been continuing on with a monthly series I've been doing with Laura Hodson from Now Account. Yep, great Joining to be me back. in the studio. Brought with you a massive shoe. I did. I brought a big shoe. That's you, not mine. Now this this is literally <laughs> this is like the story the old woman in the shoe. I mean, you could probably you have, could live in this shoe. You could house at least a couple of small animals in there easily, easily. So this is a shoe. Actually, many many years ago, more than I will admit, I had a manufacturing company called Dunk with Shaquille O'Neal. And this is Shaquille O'Neal's shoe, which is a size 22, the largest oh, shoe in the God. NBA. And, you know, the reason that I carry it around is I always tell people you should have something in front of you at all times that uh, that expresses sort of your future. Not, you know, we, we tend to surround ourselves with things that express our past, pictures and awards and trophies. And when I first met Shaquille, he invited me to his house and this was the year he'd won all three MVP trophies. And I thought, oh, this is so cool. I get to see the trophies. So we get to his house, and there are no trophies anymore. And I said, dude, where are the trophies? <laughs> and because he won regular season all-star game and finals, he said, you know, growing up, my father had a rule that if you won an award or a trophy, you could keep it in your room for two weeks, and then you had to put it in the basement. Because if you were so focused on celebrating what you did yesterday, you couldn't possibly be focused on what you're going to do tomorrow. Wow. And I love that. So I carry it around because it reminds me to think big. And I only carry one because I can't carry two. Mm -hmm. And every time I look at it, I wonder what the man's luggage would have to look like because yeah, you couldn't you pack travel. Business shoes. On I mean, top my of roller that. bag would fit one shoe, not a pair, just one. <laughs> yeah. Mr. O'Neill, we can't put your shoes That's in the right. overhead I'm bin. Sorry. You're going to have to check those. <laughs> <laughs> so. You brought with you a couple of folks today. We're going to be I focused did. on veteran-owned small businesses. And uh, so you brought with you a couple of folks, at least one of which is a client of Now Account, so we can That's talk right. about that as well. Right. So uh, why don't you introduce us to the folks you brought with you? Great. So we have Kit Walker, who is the founder and owner of a company called ebs for You, and we'll have him explain how he came up with that name. But um, he is uh, his business has a certification that is a service-disabled veterans-owned business. Um, and then we also have Melinda Coker with SBAP, which stands for Small Business Access Partners. And they have a variety of programs focused on helping small businesses grow. But in particular, they have a program that is um, for veterans-owned businesses. So, um, you know, we're so lucky in this country to have heroes that uh, keep our country safe. And, and, you know, we often hear that uh, they come back from serving their country. And then what do they do? And right. I think, you know, starting a business and being an entrepreneur is such a great opportunity. Um, but we also need to make sure they have the resources to do that. Do you feel comfortable sharing a little about your story? Uh, no problem at all. Um, I actually started the company in 2005. I used to be in corporate after I got out of the military. I've always wanted to have my own business. And um, in 2005, we started EBS. 
It began as a marketing and promotion company. Um, it was an easy transition for me with low cost in entry to market. So we, we kind of started that way, built up some revenue, small, small revenue, because we didn't have the capital at the time to really facilitate some of the opportunities that were presented to us. We kept on kind of moving along, chugging along until I came across this, you know, three acronyms now, and I'm trying to figure out what is now. And someone, um, actually there was a video of this young lady presenting the company. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. It was a little different than the typical, uh, what do you call those companies? Factoring. factoring. Yeah. And if, it's funny because people ask me, is that a factoring? I said, no, 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 it's not even <laughs> like that. Trust me. We kind of transitioned recently. We, we transitioned more more into the facility support services. And also we have plans in place right now to kind of bring on some more service offering in the construction site. And the reason why we took this approach is because while I was in the corporate side, I was in federal government banking with one of the banks, major banks, and I learned that space, the federal space very well. And so I figured if I can do this for them, <laughs> I can do it for myself. And that's what got me to really start to transition more into basically just providing my my own creating a situation where I can employ people. That's the way I always look at. It. I employ a lot of veterans and I try to make sure that they are the first people that I go to because I am a veteran and I've been very fortunate with not having to worry now about anything. No pun intended. <laughs> Because, I like your pun. <laughs> you know, it, to be to be serious, if I didn't have that opportunity to create that type of relationship with now organization, I don't think the capacity that I have right now to be able to facilitate the dollar value of the contracts that I'm currently dealing with, that wouldn't exist for me because it's just such a struggle trying to go to the banks to get line of credit, loans, whatever. And with the relationship that I have now, I tell you that pun just keeps coming around, right? <laughs> Um, That's probably no accident why they chose that name. <laughs> exactly. For us, we've grown from, in one year, we've grown from, I would say, about $20,000 in revenue to over $600,000. And now we're over a million dollars in revenue. We have a few contracts with the VA and we believe in quality and continuous improvement in our company. That That's the approach that we take. And because we're a small company, most small companies don't think along the lines of what the major corporation would employ in terms of their strategy. What I did was I looked at how I was able to run my portfolio with on the large corporate side. And then I scaled it down and kind of tailored it to my small business. A lot of small business only think about the thing that they know how to do best and not think about what they're doing as a business per se. It's just um, a way of making money, bringing in revenue. Well, you have another side to the revenue and that's the expense side. <laughs> right. And so I try to manage and try to bring more of a corporate mindset to a small company. And that has been able to create the type of environment that has allowed me to grow to where we are right now. And because of our expectation in the service, in the quality of service that we deliver, we now get, like for instance, the, the contract we have in Alabama with the VA, we started off with X dollar amount and then they started adding on more to it. And so we now are on tap to actually bring on another hospital in Alabama. They just finished completing a new build, outpatient facility for the VA. We just bid on that one and that one is close to a million dollars. So, you know, again, I couldn't, because when you look at payroll, our payroll is largest chunk mm -hmm. of our expenses, mm -hmm. payroll. Mm -hmm. And so when you have to make payroll, you can't say to your employee, well, you know, 
I got to. They gonna pay me until Don't next catch week this till and, Saturday, okay? And 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 the thing is, we we as a small company, we've always tried to put forth the 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 perception that we are large, right? And you can't do that if you're worrying about how you're gonna pay your employees and those things. So again, you know, it's just the the things that I've learned in the corporate side, employing those things um, to to my company. And and at the same time too, you know, leveraging the um, the the resources that's available, GTPAC, SBA, um, you know, you have uh, just a, a plethora of of um, resources that's there. Um, GDOT, they provide um, training opportunities and so forth. Um, so again, I think as a small company, you have to understand one that. You have two choices. You're either trying to make money or you're trying to grow a business, period. And if you're trying to grow a business, you have to be very knowledgeable or make yourself knowledgeable of the aspect um, of growing that business. And the way you get that information, because that's what it boils down to is the amount of information and the, the diverse amount of information that you're able to to kind of ascertain and, and be able to kind of just figure out now, how do I employ um, those types of, um, based on the information that I receive, how do I employ that um, within my organization so that we can grow? We've been talking with founder of ebs for You, Kit Walker. He's a military veteran and uh, disabled service member as well who, who has launched into his own small business. It's growing. He's obviously uh, leveraged the services that Now Account brings in terms of providing quick access to capital that they've already earned through providing services and uh, is talking about how he applied his previous corporate experience to uh, develop and grow this uh growing small business that he has now i'm curious for, with you kit i mean for for you when we rewind to the time where you're coming out of the military what was that process like did you have education in your background that that led you into your corporate uh, experience there yes. how did that happen for, for me it was a little different than i would say most um military veterans who are you know exit most military members who are exiting the military um i had a degree i have a degree um went to University of Maryland. Um, and so for me, you know, again, I was always an entrepreneur deep down. Yeah. So even though I, I also knew too that in order for you, if you cannot kind of get the resources that you need in order for you to be able to, to accomplish your own personal goals is y you have to be able to do those things that are not permanent in the process, which is get a job so you can get a get paycheck. To where you want to go. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, once you're able to, to save up and accumulate enough, then you can kind of make that transition. So that's kind of the approach that I took coming out of the military. One, while you're in, get as much of the education as you can. That's one thing that I would say is because it's free. And so you get as much of that with a plan. And once you get out, I think the transition is a little much easier. A little, a little bit easier. Um, if you, if you take the right approach for me, that was the approach that I took. And, um, once I got out, you know, I went back and got an MBA and so forth. So I was able to, I had a strategy in mind and I was able to, I was know, curious about that. that. It sounds like you did. And, and when you were in the military, as you're approaching the time when you're going to be exiting as an active duty member, do they, is there any sort of resources available for you as a service member? kind of helping you prepare for that, giving you things to think about or, you know, to help you transition over so you can maybe swing into a good job at, at the end? I'm, I'm sure there, I'm, I'm sure there was, but the thing is, 
you know, like anything else, if you're not really focused in that moment, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> so if, if there wasn't the effort on the military side um, to make these things more prominent to the exiting military member, then it's not something that you really think about. You're just thinking about getting out, you know. Right. Well, yeah. But done. you had it in you. I want to start a business one day. And so oh, that's yeah. where you just started kind of focusing your efforts. And then so as you entered into taking a job apparently built on your earlier education, the, the degree you had earned, got into the corporate world, you were approaching that from I'm going to be socking money away and I'm going to be preparing myself to launch my own business. That's the idea. But that's not how it always worked out. <laughs> you know, like they say, things happen. So, you know, along the way, um, y you have your ups and downs and, you know, things like that. So y you make adjustments. And, and the thing is this, I've always made adjustments, but I always knew where I wanted to get to. So even though you have to make adjustments and those adjustments might seem as though you're, it's a setback. I never look at it that way because I know where I'm trying to get to. And every every little turn in the process that I've gone through has always been, um, you know, more of a learning experience. I, I tell the story to, to, to people that I deal with now um, of when I, when I, you know, once I got out of the military, I, I moved to California um, and I was in the entertainment business. I've, trust me, I've done quite a bit. I was in an entertainment business. Are you going to sing for us? Not that side. I was on a business side. Always oh, business. darn it. But I used to work for this um, literary agency. And the owner of the agency, my job was a, I used to do um, what's called coverage, which is you read the scripts, you write up the coverage of those scripts so that it's a one pager so that they can use those coverage to then pitch to the studios. And so my job was to do that. And to walk her dog, picking wow. up dog poop was not my idea <laughs> of, you know, this is, but I'm, I, I say the that. American dream. Yeah. You know, I say it to say, to, to, to say this, as I was doing that, it motivated me because yeah. I knew that this is not what I wanted yeah, to this do. This is not the cul-de-sac I'm stopping But on. <laughs> in order for me to get what I need from this scenario, I had to do what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was temporary, not permanent. So, you know, with that mindset, I, I, I think nothing can really get in your way because you'll always find a way either over or around the situation. And and that's kind of been my approach. Well, it sounds like you've, you've also been opportunistic. I think a lot of people constrain themselves by thinking my business is going to do X. And I always laugh because <laughs> if anybody who's ever started a business look back at the original plan, it looks nothing like it, right? Nothing like it. But, but that's, but like you said, that's a learning experience. You might start out doing one thing, but through the act activity of doing that, as long as you do a good quality job, you're going to meet people, open up new doors, new opportunities. Um, so when you started EBS for you, you've had opportunities come along the way that probably were in areas you hadn't thought about. How did you sort of pivot your organization or adjust what your services were? And then where along the way did you decide to go through the process of getting certifications and things like that? Was that always part of it or? No, you learn as, as you go along. Um, it, it, to answer your first question, the pivot took place because the economy created the environment to pivot, <laughs> to pivot. Um, and then you start to think you know it's it's funny because that pivot cost me with the SBA and I'll explain to you why um, 
to finish answering your question, I pivot because the economy create, you know, the environment and the economy just kind of force you to rethink how, you know, in the, in the promotion and marketing business, no company was spending, they didn't have disposable mm. income to spend on any kind of promotional item. So if the revenue starts to dry up, what do you do? And I didn't want to go back to a nine to five. So what do you do? So because I understood the space I was in, in terms of the federal space, I knew how to utilize some of the tools that were available. And you always need your building clean, regardless of how bad the economy what is. What kind of tools are you talking about? Um, well, for instance, there is a FedBizOps is a tool. FedBid is a tool. You know, these are different types of tools that um, facilitate um, access to um, potential opportunities that they offer. And that's and, specific to veteran-owned businesses no, or no, no. minority-owned it, businesses? It's specific to the, to the, to federal. the needs of the space. federal government. Okay. Federal like we talked about right. before. Right. Yeah. Right. right. But within that, there are opportunities that are specific to veterans. Like, the, for instance, a lot of veterans don't know about the rule of two. And what that rule of two means is that, for instance, if the VA puts out a contract, first of all, they put out a solicit, um, a pre-solicitation or a um, sources sought. If And that's what I usually um, and focus on. And that's on those on. websites you're that's, talking right. about. Right. Yeah. I usually focus on sources sought or pre-solicitation. The reason why I focus on those is because they have not been formulated into a RFP solicitation mm -hmm. as yet. And so what I do is you know in, in in focusing on those I can then reach out because you have all the contact information I can reach out to the contracting officer now the rule of two states that because the federal government is trying to um, meet certain quotas in the opportunity that they provide to veterans veterans women-owned business um, 8a companies um, certified 8a um, service disabled veteran what I do is sorry oh. what I do is um, uh, focusing on the sources sought and a pre-solicitation I would call up the the contracting officer but from a strategic standpoint I would find another service disabled veteran or another veteran because the rule of two states that you have to have at least two interested veteran in order for them to put that solicitation out as a veteran owned Hmm. or a dis disabled veteran owned. okay? So I call them up and I say, you know, I'm a service disabled veteran. I'd like to know if you guys thought about putting this out as a service disabled veteran owned opportunity. A lot of us don't, a lot of, you know, veterans don't know that you can, you know, there's certain things you can do. Again, you don't know what you don't know. So if you find a buddy. If you find a buddy. <laughs> and we've actually done that. We've actually done that. Huh. I've, there's another company here in Georgia excuse me, that um, the first major federal contract that I won, I put the deal together. We won it. It wasn't, I wasn't the prime on it because I didn't have the capacity at the time. And it was for um, Department of Homeland Security, one of their facilities down in, um, in Miami, Homestead Air Force Base. The second one, within about a two-month span, was the U.S. Embassy in Jamaica. And um, what we did was we called and said, hey, I'm a vet. And the other person called and said, oh, I'm a vet. And we both knew on our end, but they don't know that we know each other. I mean, you know, you do what you have to do. Right. Um, and 
it came out as a service disabled vet business. What you're doing there is you're eliminating or you're shrinking the pool Content. now of people because most people don't bid right. on these things. And if it doesn't come out as a service disabled veteran, it comes out as a small business. Well, how many small businesses are there? How many small veteran owned businesses are there? It's a smaller pool. So you're eliminating a whole bunch of people right there. The same way it works with the 8A. That's why mm -hmm. I'm trying to get my 8A right now, you know, to kind of pivot into the certification process. I knew that the, the certification doesn't guarantee you anything. What it does is, and I look at the certification the same way I look at my, my, um, my degrees. It's a union card. All it says is you can now play in this field. If you don't have it, you can't play in the game. And so what I try to do is to um, put in place all the certifications. I have all of them. I have the LSBE through the, in DeKalb County. Um, there are certain things you can't do as a contractor in DeKalb County unless you're LSBE certified. Now, a lot of prime look for LSBE certified companies because DeKalb County puts in some of their um, uh, uh, solicitation that there are certain percentage that has to be minority owned. And so I've done that in DeKalb. I've done that in Clayton. Um, I'm Marta in Atlanta, city of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm trying to strategically position myself to be able to participate in the process of, you know, um, getting business and growing my business by having these certification. As I stated, you, it's no guarantee that just because you have the certification, you're going to get a contract. It doesn't get you the contract. It does it just not lets get you. you play. Exactly. But a lot of people don't. Don't go through the process. Don't go through the process. And then they go through the process and they're like, well, where's my I contract? Exactly. <laughs> See, and I think this is where I have an edge in the way I think and approach the the space. Um, my, I think I have an edge over most because they're not thinking that way. Right. Service disabled veteran Kit Walker and founder of EBS for You, uh, a, a service company that uh, he's been sharing with us his story about founding after he left the corporate world to to launch his own business. Um, also going into some great information on how to position yourself if you're a veteran to, uh, and you're you've got a small business of your own, how to think about the various certifications that are available that will empower you to do business with large contracting companies or large companies that are seeking suppliers that have diversity programs, yep. particularly those that uh, set aside business for those people that, uh, that go through the efforts that you're talking about. Now, has it gotten easier for you as you're going through the process? I mean, now, what's the process like now as you go through the certification process? Right? My challenge now is <laughs> is is bringing on bringing on more resources. That's what I'm trying to do now because I'm growing. And, and as you grow, um, before I used to do I could run every aspect of my business because I had to. Um, so I know everything from HR to employee relations to <laughs> what have you. You know, I hire, fire. I, I do everything. I did everything. So now what I'm trying to do is put together now the team. Because as you grow as a small business, if you don't start thinking about the team, the structure, you're not going to grow very far. And so I'm at the phase right now where, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm taking one of my employee who's my supervisor down in um, in Alabama. He's going to be our um, um, field operations manager. He's, he's only a supervisor, janitorial supervisor now. But I've been grooming him 
to to understand the role that because he was in the in the company at the the beginning that the role that I'd like to see him grow into. Um, I you know I don't want him to be doing the work anymore. I want him to be able to manage the different right. contracts that I have. So we're going to a, a major conference in our industry in in Vegas in October, and within that there's a, there are a lot of training that goes mm-hmm. on, and also a lot of networking because now I can have access to a lot of the suppliers directly as opposed to going through. So now I'm in a position where I can actually reduce costs by creating relationships directly with the manufacturer as opposed to going through a reseller or a distributor now how's your business structured because you you mentioned you know, we're, we're here in atlanta but you're talking about business in alabama even in jamaica right miami etc how's your business structured do you have bricks and mortar in various locations i mean how it no, sounds the, like it's more of a virtual business so how's it work the beauty of working in the federal space is that you don't necessarily have to have brick and mortar in any of the states that you might be doing business in because it's just a matter of the most, like I said, the resources that are most required are people. And that's all you need. People and equipment. I can always lease equipment or I can buy equipment and depending on where, you know, how far it is from the home base. Um, for instance, I'm heading down to today. I'm heading down to um, Florida to pick up some equipment that I bought to put into my facility down in Alabama. But while I'm in Florida, I'm also bidding on a contract that came up in Miami with the USDA. I was able to network with the person who's selling me the equipment because they also clean <laughs> so that I can sub out the work to them. So now I have my employee base there. And so, that's what I was curious about is from the perspective of how are you hiring employees? Because we talked about it the first quality of work and quality of service. So right. that means you got to be somewhat selective. I mean, it's uh, we're, what we're talking about is cleaning services. So it's not always going to be necessarily the highest level of education person, for example, that's stepping into that. So, you know, that's not necessarily needed, but what is needed is the right attitude, the right interpersonal approach okay. for the businesses they're interfacing with. They're, they're around them some. Maslow hierarchy of needs. <laughs> You've got to be able to motivate your people. Right. And the way you motivate them is, especially, you know, you mentioned something that's very important. The level of um, education of the people that you hire based on your business that you're in is important. It's an important thing to pay attention to. You know, unlike a college-educated person who's also interested in money, but they're also interested in an opportunity to grow. A trajectory, yeah. Right. The, the, the person who's less educated might be interested in growing, but they're in more more interested in the money. Yeah, they I got to pay my bills right. on Friday. And yeah. so once you understand that, you put little incentives in place. For instance, one of my employees down in um, in Memphis, um, she got sick. Um, she had to go to the hospital. Um, what we did was we went to Sherry. Uh, this is a free plug, I guess. Sherry's Berries. I ordered chocolate cover strawberries sent to her house. After she got out of the hospital, well, she cried because not even her boyfriend has ever done anything like that. (laughs) But see, I know how to connect with people emotionally. And so I tried to whatever it is, I tried to, you know, do those things. I gave, you know, with what I did in, in, in Alabama, the first week I hired my employees. We went out to dinner the first night before they even worked a day. And I said, you know, I explained to them what my expectation is. And how different we are 
Because I asked him, I said, how many companies have you guys worked for who did this for you? None. Okay. And I try to show them that I am a different company. You take care of me and I will take care of you. And then I show how I will take care of you. Now, don't get me wrong. I fired an entire crew that I had down in, in Alabama and replaced them with the crew that I have now because the previous crew was a crew that I got because the thing with the federal government is that if, if for instance, Laura had a contract with an agency and she had 10 employees and she loses that contract, I can go pick up those 10 employees, which is what I did in Alabama. But see, they're expecting to do the same thing they did for Laura with me. Now, my standards was much higher than the previous contractor so they felt that they can do the same thing and my thing was i'm trying to you know as a small business your reputation means a whole lot and so i just had to get rid of all of them and there's a lot of politics that goes into play too yeah. because you know one of the kid i'm trying to get rid of now um their family member works in the hospital proper so and they happen to work in the contracting area which is, makes it much more difficult but I understand a little bit about politics coming from the corporate world. So you have to kind of know where the balance is. You know, I play chess, so I can play a little bit of chess there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Checkmate. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, you, you, you want to make sure you have employees who, one, understand the value of your company, understand the fact that the quality is of utmost importance to the client. That's what they're paying you for. And... Once you're able to convey that and get that across to your employees, you're not going to have all of them following. But the ones that don't want to, they can always go. And we were talking as you got started, you, you mentioned the fact that you are now account client. What was the point that 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 revenue capital that was hanging out there? <laughs> you know, as a small business, go there. it's funny, as a small business, you're always wanting that big deal. You're praying for that big deal. And when it comes, you're like, oh, craps, what do I do now? <laughs> because here it is. You got what you wanted. I, you know, I got what I wanted and I was like, okay, I don't, how am I going to cover this thing? And, you know, for, for us, it was a smaller deal. I remember the deal. The deal that I got was with the Department of Interior. It was um, about $30,000, um, the, the full deal. Uh, actually, no, it was twenty-seven something thousand dollars, and that's a lot of money because my supplier, um, I had to pay them up front. Right. Right. Yeah. But I have to wait thirty days before I get paid from the government. If you're lucky. If well, to be <laughs> honest, they've yeah exactly. Yeah. Sometimes they they can you stretch know it out. stretch it out, <laughs> and 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 especially now in this time of the season yeah. when the budget in the federal space, you can have a lot of stuff going on. So that's where I had already knew about now, but I hadn't really reached out to try to get everything. And I just kind of did everything. You know, I was like, I need to get on this because I got the contract. What am I going to do? I don't have $27,000 that I can just say here, um, you know, hold it for 30 days as a small business money cash is important <laughs> right well and i think the scenario kit described is even more exacerbated with veterans owned or women owned or minority owned because part of the reason you go through getting the certification is to open those doors to have access to those big projects exactly 
And the irony is that the very big project you work towards is the very thing that can put you out of business. Exactly. So big always seems better, but big that's 80 days late is a lot harder <laughs> on you than little that's 80 days late. Yeah. So that's the irony is, you know, people that go through these certifications, the, the reason you go through it is to have access to these large opportunities to grow your business, but it's that very large opportunity that often, you know, kills your business. Exactly. So, you know. And, and that, that's part of the reason why for me, you know, like I said, I have a very strategic approach in everything that I do. Um, for me, um, the growth thing is very important, but I like to manage growth mm -hmm. um, the same way I manage expenses. Um, I like to use this phrase, and I'm sure everybody probably heard this before. I like to bite, take a, a one bite at a time out of that elephant. You mm -hmm. only can eat an elephant one bite at a time. And so I don't try to eat the whole thing all at once. You know, little small bites. Eventually, I'm going to get to the bones and I'll be done. <laughs> if you try it all at once, he'll sit on you. It, it, yeah. <laughs> You'll probably choke <laughs> to death. So how have you interfaced with the military community to be able to try to pull some of those folks into your business? You mentioned the fact that you try as much as possible to have Hire veterans with you. Yeah, they have um, veterans um, resources available um, that um, – I'm, I've recently started to connect with those folks. I usually go through DOL, and within DOL, there's a, a veterans um, group within the Department of Labor that works with veterans who are unemployed to get them jobs. So I usually I started there, okay. but then there are other organizations now that's um, that's outside of Department of Labor that do data mining of, of veterans throughout the U.S. And so now, because of our business strategy, that's a good um, uh, organization uh, resource to, to now tap into. Because now, if I win a contract in, right now we, we provide service, in and it depends on the kind of service. Any kind of service um, we provide, it's within the Southeast region. If it's product, that because we do provide products too. For instance, um, you know we sell janitorial supplies to the government too. So if it's a product, it can go it, anywhere. you can go anywhere. If it's a service, you don't want to take that chance because I don't want to have a contract in Seattle, Washington, that and something goes service. wrong. Yeah, you know, right. um, I need to get there. So you're growing contiguously. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and so, you know, like I said, f for us, th that whole approach there. I think helps us manage our way into the type of success that we that we want to achieve. Now we know you're a now account client. Did you interface with the small business administration at all uh, no. along the way? No, because uh, you know we want to try to you know tie <laughs> you know Melanie you know we've got Melanie Coker here from the Small Business Access Partners, <laughs> and I was just going to see kind of if you as uh, with your I will own be, business I had actually the, the Small Business Administration is more advantageous to me once I get certified as an 8A and the reason for that is because currently there are some jobs that comes up where they require bonding I don't have that in the capacity and those things again bonding require for you to put aside capital that you don't really don't have time you don't have the flexibility to put because you need it to keep the operation going and so the small business administration have a program where once you're 8A certified and you're part of that program they work with you to get, I believe, up to $250,000 in bonding to start off with. What is the AA certification? 8A. 8A. Right. Yeah. It's it's a, um, 
it's a certification that the eight that the Small Business Administration um, has created, if I'm right, where you get certified. You're now in this train. It's like a training program for nine years. But the benefit or the advantage of that is you don't go through the same bidding process in a lot of cases as you do if you didn't have it. They can it, direct award. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And once you're in with some of the contracting officer and you're an 8A, you're pretty much. And then all, on top of that, the prime has to reach out to 8As. And a lot of times, a lot of 8As get work through the prime because that's part of their requirement in order to be a prime. And what the, the idea behind the 8A program is to help small business to grow to the point where they can be self-sufficient, basically. Talk more about and, that. And I heard, this is Melinda, um, I heard a lot of um, words that Kit said that I really can play off of. Um, he mentioned job creation, low down payments, or, or actually preserving capital for payroll. That was one of his biggest chunks, I right. think you said. Yes. So um, what I do is deliver a program through the U.S. Small Business Administration known as the SBA 504 loan program. So if companies are um, expanding and buying a building, they don't want to lease space anymore, and they want to buy the building, they can participate with the SBA 504 and a local lender or someone that he, they're comfortable with to get as little as 10% down payment. And oftentimes, our small business clients go to a bank, and they're looking for a conventional loan. And a bank looks at their balance sheet, and they're like, where's the money going to come from? We want you to put 25% down. And they think that's a no. And I've been doing this for 17 years, and I really hate to say no to people <laughs> like Kit. So, um, hey, Kit, you should ask her for something. <laughs> it's already up here. <laughs> that equipment you got in Alabama, it could be finance. So, um, but it, there's a lot of things. Um, you know, we do what we do because we love it. And I think um, I love this SBA thing because I've helped so many people. And um, a lot of them have been veterans. A lot of our manufacturers here in Georgia that I've been able to help, they're so... Um, I guess passionate about what they do and they want to keep jobs here in America and it just gets me really excited so I want to put everything out there and um, you know get them as little down as possible and align myself with people like Laura's company with now um, just today <laughs> uh, we're gonna um, begin um, promoting your product because I think so many times those contracts are important and if you can't get a line of credit with your big bank or your small bank now is perfect right. for that. Um, how, do, how do most small businesses find you? Do they find you through a bank that maybe says no and then they're stuck? Or how do they? Um, we have developed a lot of long-term relationships with bankers that have been in the industry. They don't jump around and, and they're pretty much put with their, their local banks or they've grown there. And um, they know about our products. So probably 90% of our small business clients come from bankers. and um, But a lot of times they're repeat clients who have grown to their second building or they're buying a $3 million piece of equipment to automate the facility and stuff like that. So um, that's kind of 
we're a lot of hours. And what's the range of industries that you work with? I mean, you mentioned manufacturing, which is obvious. Um, you know, the the amount of capital required to get into manufacturing can be huge. Are there other industries uh, that? There are a lot of other other industries, and and oftentimes you'll find that banks you'll they'll hear startup and they'll automatically go oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> run. Um, but most recently we've done an expansion for a dairy farm. And um, it was very exciting to see them grow um, and, you know, need um, for their product. They needed more cows and stuff. So they needed land for that. So we got to help them do that. And then um, a brewery in Athens, which it took two years to find a lender, but we finally did. And they're open now and doing great. So it's exciting. So any business we've looked at, as long as it's for profit. Yeah. See, I'm very I'm very interested now because um, <laughs> now again, I told you right? he's going to ask you. Um, one of the things we're looking at our one we're looking at as part of our strategy is to bring on five contracts at a value of ten million dollars a piece. With a contract that this, that size, it means that it's a pretty big job, and some of the equipment that we need in order to facilitate those jobs, I can't really buy because the equipment in order to be efficient You'd have to at buy the it up job. Front. And they're expensive. And so I found a company who actually lease equipment. They're in North Carolina. They lease equipment, but they also lease use equipment at a lower rate. And so to be able to, but you have to go through their, um, their financing. financing. So if I can leverage the small business administration, which will make it much easier for me if they're financing the, you know, the process, um, it makes my monthly yeah. payment on those lease um, leasing um, less, and I just build that in right. into my bid, so I cover everything before I even get paid. And within the five hundred four program, are there special considerations for veterans-owned business, or are, are the programs sort of one set program regardless of who you are? Or are there? It, other? it is a one set program that's available to any small business that's for profit. Um, with veterans, we have an initiative through our trade organization that um, helps to offset the loan fees involved hmm. with the SBA. And currently, they're about two and a quarter percent when you borrow from the 504 program, its portion. And um, our company is waiving one and a half percent for veterans. So that's pretty significant. I think we're one of the only um, companies wow. throughout the nation that will waive the entire fee for a I'll veteran. I'll keep asking questions for you, kids. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we're for, getting more money here. So, exactly. So if, if that um, equipment is mobile and you take from job to job, right. the SBA 7A loan program could accommodate needs such as that. And um, it, it's based on the useful life, the term. Right. So a lot of times you're stuck with like a two-year lease right. um, and those payments are pretty significant. Right. Um, but with the 7A loan program, you could potentially stretch that out 10 years um, as far as the term goes, as, as long as the useful life will sustain. Now, what are some of the requirements that you have in terms of the borrower um, on those types of loans? Um, you have to have a now account. No, just yeah. <laughs> Cash flow. Check. <laughs> that, and, and um, you know the experience, and you definitely have that. So I think that you would be a, a very good candidate for an equipment purchase rather than leasing. Okay, let's so, Well, you know, the thing is this, and again, this is basically a business decision. The leasing versus leasing versus purchasing. Purchasing is, is something that we look at 
more critically because once the contract and anything can happen with that mm-hmm. contract and you're buying an equipment, it might end if up If it's sitting. special equipment for right. that contract. You know, yeah. um, you're talking about a ride along um, um, floor machine. Well, those are over $10,000 a pop. And so if you have a, let's say a large contract and for some reason something goes wrong, you no longer have the contract. You're paying on an equipment that you're not using because mm-hmm. you don't have another contract where you can just throw it in there like that. So leasing for us is more strategically advantageous mm-hmm. as opposed to now we'll buy smaller equipment like a side to side. Yeah, probably something you can to use out. in a yeah. lot of places. Exactly, but the larger ones, it's it's a much more of a challenge trying to buy those because again, um, the, the the return on that if something goes wrong could be an advent a disadvantage to you as a business owner. Right. So if it, if it's something that you're you need long term and you're going to retain long term for yeah. contracts that are not one time contracts, right. that might be a, a good product. Right. The five hundred four or the seven A. Yep. We're talking with Melinda Coker, senior vice president for Small Business Access Partners, and when we talk about Small Business Access Partners, what exactly? are we talking about? We always use the acronym CDC, but we're not the Centers for Disease Control. <laughs> we're actually a certified development company. So that is basically an approval by the Small Business Administration to deliver the program and underwrite borrowers. And long term, we actually service the loans that SBA direct lend. So you're a way for SBA to reach out into the community easier because you're the local contact with the businesses. Mm -hmm. So do you operate out of a bank then or? Um, We actually are separate from a bank, but we participate. So our program, the 504, if you're buying a building, the participation is 50% to a lender, 40% to SBA through a direct loan and 10% down. And the beautiful thing for a bank is we take a subordinate lien, giving them a 50% loan to value for their They'd position. They'd rather lend with you than right. do it themselves. Yeah, so if there was a default, they could liquidate that building for 50 cents on the dollar or less during the term of that loan because the SBA takes a second position. So that's kind of a, a good thing. Plus our rates, long-term 20-year fixed rate right now is 4.9%. So it's a pretty awesome deal. Mm-hmm. And you could actually, for manufacturers who have 25-year of equipment that has a useful life of 25 years or more, we could put that into a 20-year fixed rate loan. So we have done that hmm. on many occasions for some of our manufacturers because it makes sense to thin that out. Well, manufacturing is growing so much in Georgia right now, which is a great thing. In fact, I was talking to someone the other day, and they said, um, I think there's 300 million square feet of office space in Atlanta and more than twice that of industrial. And you don't think of that. Um, You know, the, the real heart of the economy here, I mean, we hear about everything going offshore, but... The real heart really is, you know, manufacturing and then mm-hmm. service related around manufacturing. That's I didn't know that. I know. It, it's exciting, especially um, I come from a hometown that was basically my dad was a blue collar worker, textile mill. And when the plant shut down, I mean, there's really nothing left for people. Right. And, and I worked in a garment factory, so a lot of people may not know what those are anymore in America. But um. <laughs> well, that's the way it was in our small town yeah, as well. We like, had a shoe company and a and a jeans manufacturing a Lee Lee plant and they both (laughs) went away and so did half the people. Exactly. (laughs) So when it comes to looking at SBA lending, I mean, are there things that the small business owner needs to have in place structure wise, um, certification wise, what, what do they need to be, what do they need to have in place when it comes to 
you know, well, like we were talking about either some capital equipment or maybe it's building, whatever the, whatever the mm-hmm. need is, what do they need to have put uh, together? Right. Well, I think the biggest thing and, and probably Kit would agree is a plan, having a plan in place. <laughs> and, um, you Sounds know, like he has that. He's had that for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, when my daughter was in school re- at Lanier Tech, um, she had to write a marketing, a business plan in her marketing class. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, now I know why small business owners like are overwhelmed because oh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> writing a plan is so difficult. But the, the wonderful thing that business owners may not realize is um, that there are centers like the Small Business Development Center that... They don't like to use the word free of charge, but it really is free. Um, It's prepaid. It's prepaid. (laughs) Yeah, SBA sponsored. But they actually provide technical assistance and help with writing the business plan. And just recently, I referred a gentleman to the SBDC. He had a plan, a written plan, but not the projections, the numbers. That's that's what we all care care about is the numbers and how you're going to get there. And he really, after working with the SBDC, he realized that he was going to have to really do a lot more work and have a lot more revenues to support the rent on the building or better to know payroll. that up front <laughs> yeah so he was like oh my goodness well, i've got to sell a lot more memberships to his you know his his gym and right. stuff so it's kind of eye-opening and a really good thing so a business plan we always like to have no matter where you're at in the business having that and just the experience um telling your story you know, don't come in with just financials and just hand them to a lender. Now, financials <laughs> aren't my bank statement either, right? <laughs> no. No, but we do like to see yeah, those. That's part of it. But. <laughs> Sometimes if you think you can live off 5000 a month and your bank statements show it's 10000 a month, there's a problem there. Yeah. But, so. but you're right. Like so many small business, I, I think people are intimidated by financials. And I think people get embarrassed that they don't know how to put a business plan together. Or they don't know how to do financials. And... I always tell people you shouldn't be embarrassed because you weren't supposed to know how mm-hmm. to do that, right? I mean, At you all. started your business because you had a passion for something. Right. You know, in Kit's case, it's it's service and, and you know, around facilities. Someone else may start a business because they're passionate about flower arranging, but no, none of that has to do with finance. So you'll learn it along the way, but you have to be able to ask for help. Right. And, and I think one of the mistakes um, the small business um, entity makes is that, they re- sometimes they're hesitant to kind of put someone else in control of sure. certain things. Um, I know, you know, how to do my own. I could run my own books if I have to. The point is, if I'm sitting down doing all of that, who's bringing in the revenue? Right. <laughs> so I have to learn now that I can't do that, even though. But I want to understand it because you don't want the thing you don't want is for someone to be doing it. And, and you don't know what's going money's on. Money's going out. You don't know how that's happening. So you want to be knowledgeable and you want to educate yourself about the process. You, as, a, as a small business that's trying to grow, you don't want to be doing, you know, I mentioned before, doing all those things. Yeah. You want to now start developing what the team is going to look like. Yeah. And and that's part of, you know, you being that CEO of your company because that's what you are. Melinda, do you look at the team? I know you look at the owner um, and their experience and do they know what they're doing, but do you also look at the team that they're Um, putting in place? We do oftentimes, especially if it's a startup, you want to know who's running what. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) but, um, the the key thing and through the the downturn, we found that a lot a lot of failures in an industry 
had to do with experience and not being able to to know where the the market's going and you knew you needed to shift right and and that's what we like to hear we like to hear those stories like you know exactly right you understood the industry yeah knowing that industry so we look at the small business owner primarily i mean that's somebody who comes out of a technology company and decides to open a restaurant probably not a good story no (laughs) you need to know the industry you're in you really do and that's a tough industry restaurant industry so um yeah and, and you know that that was a challenge for me with the going for the 8A certification. What happened was, when you apply for the 8A certification, they ask you about your next code, and you have to have a certain amount of revenue generating through that next code. Well, my next code when I first started was one thing. Oh, it changed. It changed <laughs> because I had to pivot. The thing is, I made a business decision right. both on the the pivot into um, another next code and also into because this was one of the knocks that I had into um, whether or not I would hire someone versus um, subcontracting out the work. When I applied Mm -hmm. for my um, 8A certification, I did a lot of subcontracting because at the time, the the environment from a business standpoint, it made total sense to me. Less risk, yeah. Mm -hmm. But when I went to the SBA and submitted my documents and so forth, you know, they're going by this stringent, this is the way it is, but business is is very fluid. It's flexible. It's not constant and it's not static. And so my business decision ended up, even though it was the best decision at the time, given the business environment, ended up being a detriment to me getting the certification. So I had to then regroup. And now, you know, because once you start employing people, what they call self-perform, right. That means you now have workman's comp. You have all these things that you now have. Those are expenses. Statutory (laughs) taxes and things like that. So, you know, as a small business working with the um, Small Business Administration, you have to understand what it is that you're trying to get out of what you're doing, especially when it comes to the certification side of it. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like if you're a small business owner, you really it's worth it. I'm probably going to break down and reach out to the small business development centers mm-hmm. myself. I've not done so. I mean, this is a small business for us right now. They're fantastic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yes, fantastic. And and find out what you don't know so that you can begin shoring those things up because that way you'll have that much more likelihood of success mm-hmm. with your small business. And they're business. located so conveniently. I mean, I, I did not know about them either. And when I first heard about them, I thought, why did I not know about this when I had my manufacturing? <laughs> <That's company?" true. laughs> um, they tend to be located on or near university campuses. So like here in Atlanta, there's, you know, there's one at Kennesaw State. There's one down here at Georgia Tech. There's one at Georgia State. There's one at the um, University of Georgia, Terry College of Business up in yeah. Gwinnett. Yep. I think they're headquartered out of Athens, Georgia, but they're all over and, the country. And right. I would have to say, um, don't just think about it for a startup. Um, I had a doggy daycare that started up just like in 2007, the best of times. She came out of the corporate world and um, within a year she was struggling. I mean, we thought we were going to have a defaulted loan and she worked bi-weekly with the SBDC. They taught her how to market and what oh, to wow. do. So they helped her turn it around. Oh, yes. And and it was amazing. It, t- every two weeks, they would sit down and strategize on what to do. And um, I think about a couple of years ago, she um, bought a second facility wow. or rented a second facility. Wow. So she expanded. So 
not just for startups. Yeah. They're for every business. And all the there. folks that I've met at the SBDCs are so knowledgeable. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of them are retired executives from right. small businesses or from corporate America. Um, and they do have that deep expertise. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I mean, there's not a charge to walk in. I think it's the best kept secret. They also Me provide um, they also provide uh, classes every mm-hmm. so often throughout the month that are free. Some of them, you know, you pay a small prepaid, fee. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, prepaid, yes. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You paid your taxes. Prepaid. <laughs> prepaid already. Exactly. Yes. And, and um, <laughs> you know, those classes, I mean, it could be anything from, um, you know, Excel to, to um, QuickBooks to, to whatever aspect of um, those elements that are needed in order for you to be successful running a business. They offer, you know, various classes that will help facilitate that. Tell people where they can go to get in touch with you. <laughs> you can go to www.ebs for you, the number four, letter U, dot com. All right. Or um, that's probably the best, the best way to get in contact with us. There are, um, you know, links there where you can send us an email and those types of things. How about you, Melinda? Um, the best way is always to call. We answer our phones. It's not voicemail. So 770-536-7839 or visit our website at www.sbaploans.com. If you haven't done so already and you're checking out the podcast for the Midtown Business Radio Show, go up to the left-hand corner of the page and you'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you to the iTunes store for the Midtown Business Radio Show podcast and subscribe to us. As you've seen today, we've brought you some experts that I know are going to be sharing some information that's going to be useful for you and your small business. Um, so subscribe to us so you can keep up with all the people that we're bringing to you. If you want more information about Now Account and you're on the Midtown Business Radio Show page, if you scroll down to the left side, you'll see a banner down there that uh, will take you over to some great information. It's very, very easy to determine if your business is one that their solution would would uh, be able to help. Uh, no credit checks are necessary, just a couple of quick questions and some basic, basic information, and you'll be able to find out if you can get access to that capital that's been sitting out there for 80, 90, 100 days or more um, in three to five days. That's right. <laughs> so to the folks uh, that came along with Laura, I uh, really appreciate it. Melinda and Kit, it's been fun getting to know you. You guys yeah, share some you. excellent information. And uh, Laura, thanks as much. Always as good always. to be here. Um, for the folks who made us a part of their day today, we really want to say thank you very much. We really appreciate it. I hope you turn around and share it with your connections because you never know if you might put this information in the hands of somebody you care about and it helps them out. So we hope you do that. And uh, for everybody out there listening, we'll see you all same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. 